0: to Dairy Voice, a podcast exclusively for the dairy industry.
1: One of our sponsors of the Dairy Voice podcast is National DHIA. NDHIA ensures information accuracy and represents their members' interests. They are the direct voice for the dairy information industry. To find out more, go to dhia.org. Our guest today is Brian Robbins, who manages the 1200 Cow North Harbor Dairy which is part of his family's diversified farming businesses. His parents, Ron and Nancy Robbins, along with Brian and his two sisters, have the dairy, a 7,000 acre grain operation, a trucking company, and a very active agritourism operation. All of this is located near Sackets Harbor, New York, close to the Eastern shore of Lake Ontario. And that's where Brian is speaking from today. Hey, Brian, thanks for coming on Dairy Voice thanks for having me hey let's start with the big picture give us just a little bit of an overview of all these diverse operations and kind of how they developed and how they tie together
0: yeah so i'm like you said we we milk 1200 cows um a little over 7,000 acres with corn and soybeans alfalfa wheat sometimes a little bit of rye and then the tourism business and um, it's we also have a trucking business so it stays Quite active around here, and keeps us all pretty busy.
1: And you are working with your uh, folks and your two sisters, is that right? Um, so my one sister is involved in the tourism
0: business, um, which her and my mother manage. Only one sister.
1: Okay. Well, with that overview, Brian, uh, let's let's dig into the dairy operation. Tell us tell us all about it. Um, so I,
0: you know, a little background on myself, I went to college in, uh, at Colorado State University and studied agronomy and, and worked for USDA Natural Resource Service for quite a few years after college and decided to come back to New York. Um, didn't really know a lot about dairying. Um, I mainly worked with my dad on the crops when I was growing up and where our dairy was very small when I was here. It had grown a little bit while I was gone. Um, they milked about 300 cows at that point. So I, I saw an opportunity over there and and went over and started asking a lot of questions. And after quite a few years, started managing different parts of the dairy. Took our production from about 60 pounds a cow. And in three years, we moved it up to 100 pounds. So we were pretty proud of that. We really focused on forages, quality forages, became actually obsessed with quality forages and have carried that mentality into today and and it's kind of altered a little bit we built some new facilities um tore down some facilities really focused on labor efficiency all the while while we're we're tearing down barns we, we just have that that uh efficiency in mind knowing what's coming that things aren't getting easier with labor and and regulations and uh and like I said continue to focus on quality forages and, and that's where we stand today. We, we milk 1200, we have all our dry cows and heifers here on site.
1: What sort of milking system do you have, milking center?
0: So we, we started out with a double 12 kind of a homemade parlor. Um, we tore that down and put up a double 24 uh, BOMATIC and it's got uh, sort gates. It's a single return with a crossover, sort gates, sort pens, sort rails. It's, uh, it's, it's quite inefficient. And for our size, we milk in about five
1: hours. And how many, how big a crew, how many work in the, in, in the parlor?
0: Just two guys.
1: Yeah. With your emphasis on forages uh, and efficiencies, what sort of production levels are you able to get these days? So,
0: I mean, we're like with everybody, when COVID hit us, you know, we got slapped with, uh, an overbase. We, we really tried to adjust and reduce production while reducing costs. And we just found that that we were just, it was a moving target all the time. We couldn't keep up with it. So we, we really, we met with our nutritionists and our other advisors. We really settled into just bare minimum in our diets, And again, focusing on forage quality, um, we let the cows go where they're going to go. And so our production runs just over 90 pounds of milk with a, uh, I think for the year we were a 4-3 butterfat, 3-2 protein, and our somatic cell runs between 80 and 90,000.
1: Just tell us a little bit more about your, your forages. Uh, you know what sort of protein and 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 what's your strategy there since you're the professional agronomist and the and the crew here. Yeah, right. Um, we used
0: to plant BMR uh for corn silage we've gone completely away from that now my take on it when we were planting bmr we we were struggling to find somebody that could feed the forages to the cows that it just it was a fiber issue for us um constantly dealing with sick cows so we we went away with that went away from that um, we do have, in this area of the country, we have a lot of shallow soils in places. So we have a lot of old native grass meadows, which we do take advantage of, harvest early. Um, so that's just native orchard grasses. And then we have orchard grass and alfalfa mixes. And we just really go to every every length we can to get those things right on time.
1: As you say, northern New York is not known for uh, <coughs> it's its... Depth of topsoil—the uh, way that we hear about in some parts of the country, the Midwest, for example. Um, yeah. But you obviously take advantage of of what you can there. Changeable right, weather, right, changeable yeah. weather too. Uh, I would I would yeah. think it's a, an issue near the lake. Uh, yeah, I mean it is an issue, um, but like I said, we we're, equipment
0: wise, we're we're just geared up to deal with it. You know, no matter what, if it's muddy, we're we're still we're still getting it
1: in terms of your your uh your barns for the for the mature cows both milking and dry what what sort of setup obviously loose housing or free stalls but how do you handle the freestalls? Mm-hmm. so what's your bedding material
0: yeah so we're uh six row barns all sand bedding we have two main barns that house all our milking cows our dry cow barn is attached to the back of the parlor so, kind of our labor center there is milking, pushing, our stored area where all the work to the cows is being done, and then the calving is going on right behind us. So people, you know, aren't walking hundreds of feet to to get to this, to the where the work needs to be done. So it's all right there. Um, and then our heifer barn is right next to the cow barns, which is again it's a six row barn, and that houses all our heifers from four months old all the way to to uh, pre calving.
1: Uh, in terms of managing the, the cows, are are you using any sort of uh, electronic devices, or uh, are you using electronic ear tags to measure in parlour production, or or are you not doing any of that?
0: Yeah, we do. We're we have the Bowmatic uh, leg band activity system. We're moving away from that and going to AvAlert. So as those tags die, uh, the battery life is is over. We're just switching them over to a a collar that has rumination. Um, We have the ear tags for the parlor to to convert milk weights back to the computer. Um, We kind of went away from a lot of data that we were trying to utilize about four years ago. We're really beating ourselves up on, on parlor prep and looking at all the letdown times and all the data parlor was giving us and had a guy come in and really sold a different idea to us. We took all the variable speed drives out, um, increased our vacuum size, our vacuum line size, switched our dips up to a just a very basic, very cheap dip, stopped pre-stripping, went to a very basic routine in the parlor, um, tweaked the the rates of the pulsation and since then we were you know running two hundred thousand somatic cell and just we're down to eighty thousand and our guys are much happier and uh we just don't look at a lot of that data anymore. I know is is probably not where most people are going, but we the data we look at is the stuff we're gonna use to make decisions. And you know over the last four years the trend has been Good for us going to a more simpler, simpler system and simpler routine for the for the labor.
1: Well, that sounds that sounds very uh, useful. It obviously is. Uh, sometimes we hear stories of kind of paralysis by analysis uh, in terms of folks are just deluged with too much too much data that doesn't help them make decisions and take action.
0: It was uh, striking when this person came and and put the machines on for us and put all our our units to manual. And and within a few minutes, the cows were stepping and kicking. And then when he was done that day, doing what he needed to do, he put all the machines on manual again, and the cows just sat there for 16 minutes and never twitched. And it was just eye-opening to us what having the equipment set up right can do for the herd.
1: Well, I guess and you didn't have any issues like stray voltage or anything this was simply a function of the of the uh, vacuum settings yeah it was
0: it was vacuum pulsation and and you know not having a vacuum when you needed it and uh unit alignment and it was just it's really simple stuff and, and and yeah we were paralyzed by data collection we were looking at so many graphs and we were you know, kind of tearing our hair out and then meeting with our crew all the time, trying to improve things and frustrating them because we just weren't seeing it. And and now we focus on just the basics and our crew's happier and our numbers are much, much better.
1: Wow. That's impressive.
0: When your goal is to help animals reach their full potential, health matters. Diamond V offers a fresh perspective on animal health a perspective that supports gut health, strengthens immunity, and ultimately enhances performance. For those who choose to invest in keeping healthy animals healthy, Feeding Diamond V makes a statement about another dimension of profit, where margins are measured by confidence in your future. To get a fresh perspective, visit diamondv.com, because animal health deserves a healthier approach.
1: Speaking of your quality milk, what is the the state of your milk market? You mentioned that uh, you did have to put a lid on it for during the during the COVID time. Yep, we're, we're capped at uh, 85% of our March, 2019 production. And you're working with uh, the FAI, I presume? Yep. Where does your milk actually go?
0: Uh, we have a cheese plant just four miles from here.
1: In Adams Center? Yes, Great yeah. Lakes Cheese, so Great we, we cheese. haul
0: our own milk. You put your, uh, you put your milk our... right
1: into your truck?
0: Yeah, we're direct load, and, and part of our trucking business is
1: hauling the milk. And you haul milk for others in the neighborhood too. We do not. Well, Great Lakes Cheese has been a a good supporter of the dairy industry since they moved into that uh, Adams Center plant. I think.
0: Yeah, it's great to have them right next door. They're they're oh. very supportive.
1: Yep, yeah. not too far from Lake Ontario. Like well, like every larger dairy, manure management is a is a Challenge, I'm sure you've got the additional uh perhaps pressure of of being not too far from lake a, a, a big body of fresh water how, how do you handle your manure?
0: Well, I guess we're fortunate in that we farm seven thousand acres so
1: there you go we don't
0: have enough but yeah, I mean we have small issues you know just with tributaries of the lake and stuff trying to stay away from them and but we have enough acreage that usually. We we have a lot of options, I guess.
1: So you put it in, in lagoon pit and then spread seasonally.
0: Yeah, um, we're we have we're a little short on storage. We're about four and a half months of storage, so we do end up having to spread some in the winter time. We just you know choose where we go and but we try to try to utilize it seasonally, empty out in the spring, and then use it for uh, hay ground all through the summer.
1: So just monitoring your uh, manure spreading is really your, your opportunity to both get fertilizer and also deal with, with, with manure. Correct, yep. What sort of labor force do you have?
0: Uh, the dairy, so we operate as separate businesses. So our dairy actually purchases all its feed at market price from our crop operation. So our dairy is run by uh, 12, 12 people. Total. and that's that's milkers, pushers, herdsmen, assistant herdsmen, um, feeders. that's it maintenance. And there's a little crossover labor with the crop operation when there's bigger maintenance shops, but just a little.
1: Well Northern New York has a strong dairy tradition, but even strong dairy areas, uh, we hear stories of how tough it is to find workers. Uh, what, what's your situation? yeah i mean it's certainly
0: tough we're close to watertown close to an army base there's a lot of industry up here so you really it's really tough to compete i mean we're fortunate that we have an amazing crew a lot of them have been here for a long time there's a lot of turmoil in the labor industry right now and with every industry and we've so far it's it's been pretty pretty okay for us
1: i presume then that means you uh pay pretty competitively and have a benefit package and reasonable yep. time off, those sorts of things.
0: Yep. And we're we're fortunate that we have some people that like to farm too. So their understanding of the the different hours and weather conditions and all that kind of stuff. But you know, New York doesn't make it any easier on us with the constant pressure of overtime and, and different different regulations that the politicians seem to be fit to impose on us
1: yeah and there's discussion right now in new york about uh or or the possibility that the, it may even go to a 40-hour uh work week on dairies yeah i don't think it's a
0: possibility of if it's just when
1: yeah
0: it makes it really hard to to put people on a, a career path in a, a financial package
1: when you don't know what's coming next year sure How are you, uh, how do you start your calves and and what's your calf raising situation?
0: We're, um, so we're
1: all group housing and waste milk with
0: uh, acid acid acidified waste milk. Um, We, we had one, at one point when we built the parlor, we built new calf barns and put robots in and I I just didn't like them. I I fought with them for five or six, maybe seven years. Didn't like the growth I got, a uh, lot of illness, and so I hired a new dairy manager a few years ago who had experience with just barrel feeding, and we've gone to just free free choice barrel feeding, and you know, seen some pretty good results.
1: One of the issues that uh, you folks are very much involved with uh, is the the old McDonald's farm agritourist activities uh, on the place with a lot of activity and a lot of people. Uh, And then more recently, uh, since COVID, uh, you've developed a a, a virtual tour of of the dairy and we had the opportunity to speak with your uh, tour leader, Emma Shirley here not too long ago. And she told us about that. And she did mention that she really appreciates the help that you and your crew provide to be ready for her camera, or visitors even, uh, now that we're back Mm -hmm. in person. Just, we hear so much about uh, farmers, uh, dairy farmers, needing to tell their story, if you will. You guys are doing that in spade and supporting a lot of educational information. But I think that probably puts some extra burden on you, doesn't it, to uh, make sure that things are very well tended uh pretty much probably all
0: the time yeah no certainly we've been doing it for years so it's it's just normal for us now but yeah extra cleaning um extra care to to every situation that you know may be a little on the edge of what people should see um you know cows get sick cows go down it's just reality and, and we have to have places that we can tend to those animals and and not you know have any type of situation that is uh just that you don't want the general public looking at but um parlors cleaned every day thoroughly polished you know acid foamed um scrubbed lawns are kept driveways are kept it's definitely it's a
1: lot but it probably uh yields a pretty good looking pretty good looking operation too i would think
0: yeah, we we like to
1: think so, but I
0: mean, it, it's definitely important. And since Emma has taken on the tours, I mean, she brings another level of education, um, seems to really enjoy it and tailors it to the the different age groups and the different people she has on there. And I mean, I think it's, it's very, very beneficial to the industry.
1: And In talking with Emma between uh, her uh, and, and probably your mother and sister, uh, continuing to expand those activities if there can be financial support uh, is, is certainly her ambition and and we've uh, included in the information that we uh, shared uh, after our interview with her about how folks can support you you've had some support from organizations but uh, it, it's a it's a pretty big investment to uh, reach out the way that she has with the, the number of people she's reaching
0: yeah yeah definitely and and we're always we they set up a non-for-profit and you know look for sources of funds to keep this going and i just from a from our dairy business standpoint have committed to them that if the funds aren't available we we step in and provide those funds so it can can continue
1: If, if dairy farmers are supposed to tell their story you you folks are doing it in spades that's for sure um Brian, as you look down the road a little bit, uh, whether it's the age of your facilities or the scale of your operations, kind of what's, what's on the horizon? Where do, you, where do you see North Harbor heading here in the next uh, three, four, five years?
0: Yeah, that's a good question that could go a billion different directions, especially today with all the uncertainty. But um, our dairy's in kind of a sweet spot, I feel, um, as far as an efficiency and profitability. Standpoint. I mean, we we've hit a point where I don't think we need to grow in cow numbers. Um, doing pretty well. You know, there's probably some opportunity with merchandising, um, ice cream, milk. We've strategically purchased property in commercial areas. We could probably take advantage of some of that and not really have to worry about growing cow numbers, especially with the the base program and you know sometimes selling our milk for. Little or nothing that last fifteen percent. Our cropping operation has opportunities to change, diversify. I don't. We don't feel we need to grow in acres. So, you know, generally we're not looking to get bigger. We're looking to diversify. I guess sure. if I had to give you a, a 3,000 foot.
1: Yeah. The overview. Um, did I did I understand from what you just said that that processing more of your own milk. Uh, whether it's for ice cream or maybe other dairy products could be part of the plan as you go forward?
0: It's something we want to explore this year. Yep, this coming year. Uh,
1: the, the figures that I've seen in terms of the number of visitors who are, who come to Old McDonald's farm um, is really phenomenal. Is, is, is the number 50,000 that I misread or misunderstand that number or is it it's some very significant number of visitors?
0: Yeah. You know, I don't know exactly. I, I know this year was their best year ever. I think people just needed to get out of the house. Sure. And, you know, whether it's 90 degrees outside in the middle of the week, the parking lot was full. I think people just were ready to do something.
1: And you're in a region of uh, a lot of summer tourism too. Yes. Which may have been part of the reason that you got started, but, uh, we can we can do that. You've got a great uh, website, which will uh, uh, include in the information that we share about this conversation. Your you and your family and and whatever folks you have working on that do a do a nice job. You can see an awful lot about what you guys are up to on your web pages. All part of your outreach. Oh, well, yeah, Brian, yeah, anything yeah. else about managing your your cows that? Uh, maybe we haven't touched on, or you'd like to just offer a thought on as we finish up here?
0: Yeah, I don't think so. I, I mean, like I said, we try to keep it basic and simple and focus on the, the key areas and, and that's that's really about it.
1: Well, that's uh, I think probably good a good thought to, to end on and a good thought for anybody who uh, who's listening and, and working on a dairy operation. Well, Brian Robbins, thank you very much, uh, partner and manager at North Harbor Dairy, part of the Robbins Family Farming Operations in Sockets Harbor, New York. Brian, thanks for being with us on Dairy Voice. Thanks for having me. And this is your host, Joel Hastings. You can find us on all the usual podcast sites, as well as at dairybusiness.com.